friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. So happy to be here with you today. Still coming at you live from my guest bedroom, also known as our current podcast studio. (laughs) I hope you're doing well and staying safe and healthy. The music in the background is from our good buddy, Mr. Torn Wells. Make sure you give him a follow and grab a copy of his new album, Citizen of Heaven. Y'all know we've been partnering with International Justice Mission on the quarantine shows every morning. They are the largest anti-slavery organization in the world. They work to rescue people out of slavery and sex trafficking and walk with survivors until they're restored and thriving in freedom. And all during this season, they have been sharing some of the brightest stories of hope. And today I want to share one of those with you. Today's story is about a man named Gopi who put his life on the line for his son. They were trapped in slavery in a rice mill. And he knew his two-year-old son had a heart condition and needed medical attention. The slave owner who controlled Gopi's life was brutal. Verbal abuse, physical beatings, all that to make him comply with his orders. And Gopi never left the facility even to do something like visit a doctor. He had to save his son and he grew desperate. And so one day he escaped the facility and thankfully IJM was able to make contact with him soon after and helped him speak to district officials about the conditions he and his family were facing. Gopi bravely spoke to the powerful authorities, and after hearing his testimony, they immediately assembled a team to investigate his claims. And when they saw that Gopi was telling the truth, they mobilized to rescue his entire family. When they returned to their home village, even though it was dark when they arrived, everyone came out of their homes and celebrated the return of their loved ones. Gopi is one brave survivor, and the only reason IJM could help him is because of your support. So if you want to join the movement to rescue people around the world, just like Gopi, you can. Head to IJM.org slash be a hero and join IJM as a freedom partner. Freedom partners send lasting rescue and restoration by giving $24 or more each month. And they make it possible to tell stories like Gopi's. That, again, is IJM.org slash be a hero. Hey, speaking of heroes, today's guest is one of mine, one of my favorite dudes when he comes on the show, Corey Asbury. He is known as a singer, songwriter. You probably know him from a lot of his music, but particularly his massive hit song, Reckless Love. He has a new book out called Reckless Love as well, and a couple of new songs that have come out, Father's House, Egypt. I am loving what he's doing. But I wanted to hop on with Corey because we just didn't hear from him in 2019. He just went all the way away and I wanted to catch up with him. And so we hopped on a call a couple of weeks ago and here is the update from our friend. So here's my conversation with our good buddy, Mr. Corey Asbury. Hey, welcome back to That Sounds Fun. Yeah, what's up? Thanks for having me. Listen, here's the problem. You came on the show a year and a half ago, a little more than that. And then you just left the internet for a year. <laughs> so yeah, tell me awesome. more. <laughs> tell me more about, <laughs> I mean, and y'all had a baby. So well done. Yeah. Whatever you did yeah. off the internet got you more family. Uh, so I'll well done. You. What, man. We had a little extra time on our hands, right? <laughs> <laughs> nah, man, uh, it, was, it was so good for our family. It was so necessary. Did Anna do it too? Did both of y'all take a break? Yeah, both of us did. Wow. And we really decided, honestly, like, I think it was May or March, I don't I don't remember, of 2018, that that's what we were going to do. And then we basically You're lying waited out that the long. rest of the year. Yeah, yeah. So even when I was doing trips and different things toward the rest of that year, we kind of had that hope set before us, <laughs> you know, that we were going to have family time that was real, that was together and uninterrupted. So it was, uh, it was decided pretty early on. Corey, that's fascinating because that would have been before, I mean, Reckless Love was already doing its thing at that point in 2018, but that was probably before the Doves and before Kayla. I mean, it was before that song kind of did it, did the massive explosion. So before all of that, y'all had decided that was what God had for your family. Would you say it was God or would you say it was y'all? No, I'd say it was both. It was definitely both. Obviously, we were we were reading the signs. We were seeing what was going on with our marriage. We were seeing what was going on with our kids. So it it was partly practical, but we really felt a strong invitation from the father to say yes to it. So yeah, I I think it was both. But yeah, like you said, you know, the the song was doing big things already. We hadn't, you know, won awards and whatever. 
or maybe we had. I don't. I really. I really don't remember. Yeah, once you start winning them all, it's hard to keep them apart, right? <laughs> it's challenging. Seriously, dude. No, it was. Uh, I was traveling a lot, though. I was yeah. traveling a lot more than I normally did, and um, I was saying yes to a lot of extra things, a lot of radio yeah. events, um, because the song was just taking off at radio. I think March yeah. was when it kind of sat around at number one for a while, which was super cool. But it meant that Bethel Music and other uh, other people were pulling on me a lot more than they were before. Back when yeah. I was just Corey, not Big Sea Dog, right? <laughs> right, right. Now you're Big Sea Dog, so it's yeah, different. Now, yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of a graduation of sorts, you know. That's right. No. That's right. <laughs> no, it was just it was a lot of different directions that I felt I was being pulled in, and it was you know I don't want to like blow it out of proportion, but it felt like kind of an existential crisis of sorts, like what am I going to do with my life now that yes. doors of opportunity and success are open? Do I want to be like, Oh, the Christian music dude. Who's like, you know, uh, I won't name any names, but you get what I'm saying. Like, is that, is that yeah. what I want? Or do I still want to be like a worship leader and not an artist quote unquote. And yeah. even further than that, do I even want to do I, either of those, or do I just want to be a family guy who does local church, you know? Right. So right. there were a, a lot of different doors kind of stood before me and Anna and I just really felt to take the year off and reprioritize and get our heads straight. Um, Cause I think success is far more dif- uh, difficult than hiddenness. You know, we've had seasons yeah. of hiddenness <laughs> and they're right. actually beautiful. Like it felt incredible and there was a sweetness and a tenderness, but the success was way more difficult of a test. You know, it's the scripture, man is tested by the praise of basically, you know, his peers or or whatever of the people. That's what it felt like. So we pulled back from everything. And this isn't scripture, but I find it very true where the rapper who says, mo money, mo problems. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody thinks if I had success, if I got the thing I actually wanted, life would be easier. And what I keep seeing be true in my friends' lives is that actually invites a whole new set of struggles in that you yeah. you can't prepare for. Totally. Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely right. Like I said, it felt like everyone was pulling me in a different direction. I had managers who were coming out of the woodwork saying, oh, I want to be your manager, man. And I, I'm so like naive in the whole thing, you know, because I've never yeah. really experienced quote unquote success. I've, I've been leading worship and doing music for a long time, but never yeah. anything like this. So I'm just thinking, oh, they want to help me. This is great. They want to come alongside. But wh- what I realized is, oh, they just wanted to get my money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and so managers were saying, oh, leave Bethel Music. You don't need them anymore. You're too big for them. Just come with us. We'll come to this label, right. come to this, you know, industry, this blah, blah, blah. And, and we'll take care of you. And it's hard when they're all Christians because you're like, is that I God? Know. Like, is that God inviting me to something new? I don't know. Totally. Yeah. So the power of the no was a big, big thing and a big lesson Mm. that I was learning and that I was learning um, with my family just to wield that with wisdom and to understand what is God and what's not. Because when doors aren't opening, you feel like every door is God, right? And then all of a sudden, all the doors opening and you're like... Which one is God? <laughs> yes, yes. You know? That is so, I mean, it. it is so outside of what we're used to, especially people who are small business owners or who are building new things. That's it. At the beginning, there's two open doors and you're just asking God to sort them. Yeah. And then all of a sudden there's so many and you're like, wait, God, I, what if I don't want any of this? <laughs> what if I just did this one little thing and didn't know that all this was going to happen? And I didn't know. I don't know. Okay. So here's something I've been thinking about. Can Christians succeed beyond what God intended? Meaning, can we be too driven? Can we do too much and surpass his plan? Yeah, I I believe a hundred percent. (laughs) Yes. And I think that's the thing that I was fighting. Um, Yeah. I am such a driven person and I am type A uh, eight on the Enneagram. And I think we both are, right? Yeah. I'm a seven with a strong okay, eight. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But yes, we speak the same language. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I just, I want to kick down every door. 
you know, mm-hmm. and I want to just crush and, and dominate the world. Right. Right. <laughs> and I found that that drive actually becomes unhealthy. I would say 80, 90 percent of the time, especially when it came to 90 percent of the time. Wow. Yeah, it was like I realized that, you know, I used to say like, oh, it's godly ambition. Right. right. I just want to do great things for God. But then you kind of actually look at your heart. And I think if I'm honest, I would diagnose pretty much the whole world and most of the Christian world as exactly what you just said. I don't remember how you said it, but it's something like, how did you say it? Succeeding, succeeding beyond what God would have us do. Yeah. I think, I think we have a sickness <laughs> Yeah, and I think like the prescription is, is rest. And the prescription is not trying so hard, not striving so hard, not, especially for young people in the industry, man, everyone's like, I got to get my mixtape out. You know, like it's, it's that yeah. mentality. I got to get this to the record company. Oh man, if I could just get my song into Corey's hands or Joel Smallbone's hands yep. or Cody Karn's yep. hands, man, then the big break is going to come. And God's going, I wish you would just chill and let me do what I do. Let me fight. Let me take care of it. Let me open the doors when it's time to open the doors. Yeah. Because I just, yeah, man, it's gosh, that what you said is, is so right on. It's so true. And I think I was trying my hardest to combat that in 2019 yeah. and to show other young people, Hey, this is doable. You don't have to, to push down that. every door. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And then see, right. Hey, I came back. And God's still with me. He didn't leave, yeah. you know, yeah. That's right. <laughs> like the father's house, which is the single that we released uh, the beginning of this year, just went like top 10 um, billboard or whatever. I don't honestly, yeah. know. you know what I mean? <laughs> so the Lord You're is like, still top doing 10, things. Annie, that's the part that matters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Top 10, dude. And that's not to say like, oh, I'm validated, but I want to show young people, especially in, yeah. the, in the industry coming up, you don't have to make your own way. You can trust God, and I promise it's going to be better. <laughs> mm, yeah, I mean, that, uh, to me, that's one of the reasons, and you did a whole Sabbath year, and, mm-hmm. but that's one of the reasons that people in public jobs, pastors, people like you and I, one of the reasons it's important for us to do Sabbath, like if you're counting a 100% reason, it's like 10% of the reason. 90% yeah. is for our own emotional health and spiritual health. But to me, there is a 10% of like, I can model to people that I can take a day off a week and God does not abandon me and my career does not crash totally. and my relationships do not burn. You actually, it, it, when people say, how'd you get here? Blah, 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 all those kind of questions. I always say Sabbath and tithing. I'm yeah. telling you that those giving, I love that. giving a percent of my time and a percent of my money is why God has allowed me to do some of the things I've gotten to do. Oh, that's, that's beautiful. And you know, just to tag onto that, that's exactly what the Lord was teaching me and our family in this time off. You know, like the idea of Sabbath, if if you're not familiar with it, I think it comes from a, a Hebrew word that's like Shemitah or S-C-H-M-I-T-A. I don't really know how to pronounce it because I'm not Hebrew. Although, let me put this in there. I am 14% Ashkenazi Jew. So, okay. Okay. Thank you. Totally this, I can speak on this with authority. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> No, but the idea of Sabbath came from, um, it's actually like a, a, what's the word? A cultivation of the land term. So what what would be the word for that? Um, Agriculture. Is there a word? Agricultural term. Thank you. God, I knew it. It was right there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. That tag team. So it's it's an agricultural term and, and basically God implemented it with Israel back, obviously, many years ago. But the idea was that you're going to tax the land if you do too much to it. Like if you keep growing the same crop year after year after year after year after year, it's actually going to become depleted and it's not going to grow crops anymore. So what they would do is they would give it a full like year or seven years. I can't remember, honestly, off. Just let the land rest. And when they came back to that land, it would again be fruitful and just super verdant and beautiful and produce these amazing crops. So that's the idea. Like you have to actually give yourself time off and rest in order to be fruitful. Like we think that's the opposite. Like, oh, if I don't go hard, I'm not going to produce fruit. The truth is you've got to chill for a time, whether it's a day of the week or a month of the year, whatever. You're going to wear yourself out. Like you're going to burn out the soil of your heart, basically. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's right. Did you did you think about like when you and Anna are making that decision in May of 2018, were there ever moments where you thought, oh man, but this is really taken off. This would why don't we wait and do 2020? Or why don't we <laughs> why don't we wait and only do half of 2019? Did you ever have moments where you were like, I know I should rest, but if I'm looking at the scenery, the scenery tells me this is a dumb time to walk away. <laughs> The initial decision, yes, I wrestled with it. And it was weighty, you know, like Anna and I sat there in a hotel room in in Chicago just before the Lord. And we we both just kind of wept together, like and and almost mourned it, like the death of of something that we knew was beautiful and God ordained, but something that needed to uh go into the ground, if you will, and you know, to die and produce fruit. So it's kind of that John 12 reality. I think that was really the only time that I kind of dealt with it in 2018. So, so the yeah. des- decision was made in 2018. Now in 19, there are a few times where I wasn't supposed to be on social media and I opened up Instagram and, uh-huh. you know, I saw all my friends out on tour and doing all this cool, fun stuff. And, you know, yeah. just the stuff that I love, right. You know, like I've done this yeah. for years um, and it's been my dream to do that kind of stuff. So when I saw that, my heart was like, ah, dang it. (laughs) And then God reminded me, Hey, this is why I wanted you off social media actually. So it was probably two or three times. And I was like, no, 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 no. We're not doing that. We're putting that away and we're just going to chill as a family. Yeah. I think that, I think people need to hear that because what the world would see on the outside is like, what is Corey Asbury doing? What is actually true is once you made a decision and you and the Lord and Anna together made this decision and you stuck to it, it was, the Lord was more fruitful than you could have imagined. It's not like people stopped singing reckless love because you weren't on Instagram. (laughs) Yeah, no, they didn't. They sure didn't. I (laughs) mean, right. I mean, it has, yeah, it hasn't stopped at all. And I think, especially, so right now, just for the world to know, we're recording this at the end of March while a lot of people are quarantined and sheltered in place because of coronavirus. Beth Moore did a talk last week, Corey, where she said, we think the church will grow by all of us getting together. What if God always meant what he said in John 15 about pruning us back so that there could be more fruit? And what if the scattering is the growing? And and I just wonder if you feel on the other side, and it may be too soon, but on the other side of 2019, is there truth to being pruned back actually leads to more fruitfulness in your personal life? I'm not talking about your bank account, but you're welcome yeah. to. But I mean, like, <laughs> and you, it obviously gave you all another kid. It was fruitful in your family. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But for your bigger kids, was it fruitful? And for you and Anna, was it fruitful in your spiritual lives? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, that's the biggest impact is actually internal. So you can't really see it. And I uh-huh. think I think another um, sickness that we could probably diagnose pretty much the, the Christian world with is constantly analyzing to see if we've grown, you know, and it almost becomes an idol. Like, have we yeah. matured? Are, are we? Yeah, you are uh, calling us out today, brother. Yo, <laughs> are, are we more holy? Are we more uh, devout? Blah blah blah. And it becomes like this idol of sorts, uh, in my yeah. opinion, at least. So obviously, it's it's tough to gauge that, and you don't want to fully rely on that. But absolutely, I feel like our relationships as a family are so much stronger, especially mine and Anna's. It's unshakable now, you know, and and I yeah. won't say that it wasn't before, but success was definitely taking a toll and time mm-hmm. away was definitely taking a toll. But now it's like we see eye to eye and we actually talk about the trips that we're going to take. It's not just an independent Corey decision. Oh, I got wow. this big opportunity. I'm taking it no matter what. I right. bring everything to her. And we decided basically now that we're in 2020, we're only doing one trip per month. So I'm not going out on any long tours. And that has been massively fruitful for our family. And and basically Anna's in my relationship. That was one of the biggest fault lines was not seeing eye to eye on what our travel schedule should look like. Yeah. Um, Because obviously you're raising a family, you know, and and now we've got four kids and daddy can't just be gone all the time because this is my thing. Right. 
Right. And that was a sacrifice for me. And that was something we fought over, like, <laughs> honestly, constantly. Like it was, yeah. a, it was a big thing in our lives. So that being resolved is pretty much all the proof I needed that God did something in right. this time. And, and right. our biggest kids, you know, Gabriel, he's 10 now. And he oh, and I he's have. He's so cute. I'm so glad he's back on the internet. <laughs> I know. He's such a stud, man. He, he and I have an incredible relationship now. And now he, he understands, you know, the ethos, if you will, of why daddy goes out when he does. And he understands that it's in moderation. And daddy's yeah. just not going to go wild and, and go off the cuff and, you know, be gone for months and months out of the year. Like, I want to balance family and ministry really well. And he gets that now at 10 years old. And our relationship is just incredible. He cracks me up and we have so much fun together. So yeah, those, those would be the biggest areas of, of growth and fruit just relationally, honestly. Yeah. How did you explain to your kids such a big shift in work? Because there's a lot of people during coronavirus, during all of this that are having shifts professionally that yeah. things are going to be different. Maybe they're going to pick up more hours or they're going to start being on the road more or mm-hmm. their job shifts. How did you sit all them down? Because the girls are a lot younger. Yeah. But how did you sit them down and kind of say like, hey, everything's going to change next year? Yeah, yeah. So it was, um, gosh, I think it was Thanksgiving of 2018 that we kind of really made the announcement to the kids. We, we didn't, yeah. we just kind of held it in our hearts. We pulled a Mary for, you know, yeah. a number of months and yeah. it wasn't, we had like this whole big plan. So it's kind of a, a bigger story, but so just to give context, my kids are Gabriel's only boy. He's 10. Now Lily is six. River is almost three and Willow is about four months. We didn't have Willow back then. So we had, we had three. And uh, we had, Anna and I had always dreamed about getting a dog. And hopefully you've seen him on Instagram because he's a stud of a golden retriever. Yeah. (laughs) Um, His name's Sherlock. So we had always (laughs) dreamed. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) We'd always dreamed of getting a dog together. And what the dog represented was home because with our travel schedule, especially with how much I was out, it just wasn't practical to have a pup, you know? Because when you leave, you got to get a dog sitter, you got to put them in a kennel, and it's just kind of a pain. Yep. And we wanted to do it, but we just couldn't. So we would literally cry. Anna and I would cry together. What if we could get a dog and take a whole year off together? And we would just like sit there before the Lord, like, could this happen? And that was before the trip to Chicago where we made the decision. But so come Thanksgiving, I have worked it out to have someone bring Sherlock as a little puppy to our house. Oh, we delivered him. Yeah. From, from Virginia, which was incredible. The people were amazing. And that's when we told the kids, we surprised them. Um, and there, we kept like having dog stuff delivered to the house. You know, we'd have like a dog bed delivered and then a collar and then some dog food. And the kids would be like, why do people keep sending this to the wrong house? You know, <laughs> and it was kind of like this, this funny thing for a couple months where the kids were yeah. like, are you sure we're not getting a dog? And we'd be like, no, it's not happening. Like they keep sending it to the wrong houses. So all of a sudden the dog shows up to the house and he's just running around and the kids are flipping out. Oh, I'm and sure. we announced to them right then, hey, next year. We are going to be home together as a family with a dog. And we named him Sherlock because it's Sherlock Holmes, right? So he represent he represents home to us. And oh. uh, it's such a it's it was just such a sweet season, that whole thing was. And just being able to announce it to the kids like that. Because the original thing in Chicago, the original conversation that sparked the whole thing was Anna asked Gabriel, Gabriel, if you could travel for a whole year and see every city and every, you know, park and aquarium and eat all the best food on tour with the whole family for a year. Or you could stay at home and get a dog and be together as a family, which would you do? And I don't know if you're like me, but as a kid, I would have been like, dude, let's travel. Let's see the world. Like, let's live it up. Let's go to all the coolest places. Let's ride the rides. Let's see the animals, you know. And Gabriel goes, oh, mom, that's easy. I would stay home as a family and get a dog. 
And wow. when she told me that in Chicago, I just lost it. And I realized how important that is to him. And he cares about family way more than any cool opportunity. And that was where he was at. So getting a dog represented being home together and uh, doing it as a family. What do you know about, uh, well, let me tell you, a couple of weeks ago, we had John Eldridge on the show mm-hmm. and we talked about the difference between God and Jesus relationally. Like, uh-huh. what does it look like in, to have God the Father as one relationship in your life and Jesus as a different relationship in your life? So I guess I'd like to know what you know about Jesus that you didn't know in 2018. Man, that's a good question. Um, I've been reading and rereading The Shack. I'm sure, like, yeah. I'm sure you've read that, and I'm sure pretty much, yeah. pretty much, probably everyone listening has read that book. I'll be honest with you, I connected more with the Father than I did Jesus yeah. ever since my time at the House of Prayer, because my time at the House of Prayer felt so like Christocentric. And I ignored the father because I was afraid of him, honestly, because of my own relationship with my dad. Wow. So, you know, this past, I don't know, eight to 10 years is all about this journey with the father, learning his kindness, learning his, his tenderness, all of these things that I didn't really know as a kid. So I've honestly just recently started diving back into the heart of Jesus as a man, as a humble man who came, took on flesh. And showed us the heart of the Father. So I think a lot of it is about learning that I have a brother. You know, Jesus as our brother. Yeah. And that he he sits with us. And this one part of the shack that really wrecked me toward the end of 2019 um, is toward the end of the book. And Mac, sorry, spoiler alert. (laughs) Mac, the main (laughs) character, you know, he's dealing with some stuff. And he's sitting there and he's... He's basically like lamenting before Jesus and going, this is so hard. You know, this is so difficult to, to think about my baby girl who was taken from me, et cetera, et cetera. And Jesus, instead of, you know, coming along and going, oh, I'm going to fix it all. I went to the cross and, you know, I took care of that and my blood does this and that, blah, blah, blah. Jesus just sits with him as a brother and goes, you know, Mac says this is so hard. And Jesus goes, I know, Mac. Yeah, that was it. I know. And that reality that he sits with us in the difficulty, in the pain, in the struggle, and just goes, I know, Corey. I know, Annie. I get it. I'm not going to try to fix it all in one fell swoop right here, but I'm going to sit with you in the middle of it and be your friend and be your brother. That's been pretty big for me just over the past couple months, honestly. Yeah. I just have found the more I think about it and pray about it, how different those relationships are that the, that yeah, the friendship with Jesus is such a unique thing. Mm-hmm. If you want it, if you ask for it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, when, for you now, now that you're back into the thing, but this <laughs> year, I mean, you took 2019 off, you kick off 2020 with your new song and a new book, and then the whole world turns upside down. Yeah. What are you, I mean, I'm not asking you to necessarily be a prophetic voice, but you're welcome to. (laughs) Why was your father's house song important in 2020? Why is that what we need to be singing about God now when the world feels, does the world feel upside down to you? I mean, it feels upside down to me. Yeah, it's wild for sure. You know, honestly, the biggest message I think of that story is, or sorry, of that song is that when we come into his house or his presence or however you want to say it, you know, when you come into um, the courts, according to Psalm 27, whatever, when you come into his presence, you have an opportunity to come into alignment with his thoughts, with Mm -hmm. his heart. And I don't know if you've ever been around someone who's just an incredibly strong, calming presence, almost like you know, a fatherly presence that when you yeah. walk in and, and he gives you a hug or she, it could be, it could be a woman as well. Just hold you. Everything changes. I think yeah. that's the concept that anxiety and worry and stress and shame and all those things that, that plague us at different times during our day or week or year, those things can literally fall away when we get into his presence. And I don't know if you're anything like me, but sometimes I'll just 
I'll be going about my day and there's stress and there's anxiety and I'm thinking about the next thing I got to do. And then all of a sudden, you know, the other day, for example, my buddy Caleb came in. He just started playing the piano while I was sitting there. I was responding to a few texts that I had to take care of. And all of a sudden, it was like I could breathe again. I, I don't know if you or anyone listening has experienced that, man, but it is incredible the presence of God that calms, that deals yes. with anxiety. And he doesn't have to say a word. It's just like all of a sudden, bam, the presence is ushered yep. into a room. And I literally felt, I went, oh my gosh, I can breathe again. Yeah. yeah. So it's, I think that would be uh, sort of the main, I don't know, crux, whatever, of, of yeah. that song that when we come into his presence, his house, we have an opportunity to come under that rest if we yeah. will submit to it. Yeah. To me, that's a lot of what music does. Right before coronavirus, I was on a two-week tour. I don't know if you know Stefan Cashwell, the songwriter, but he no, was out with us. Oh, you'd love him. He's also, he's so funny. I mean, he's ridiculous <laughs> funny. He's like our people for sure. But it. he would sit down and just start playing. Just like you said, he would just start playing the piano. Yeah. Even if it was just sound check or if it was just a piano in a room. I mean, there was one night where those of us that were speaking and the worship leaders were kind of in one green room and there was a piano and he just started playing. And I'm not kidding you. In like 30 seconds, Corey, we all just like slowly, not in this big, dramatic, fast thing, but we all just like slowly kind of got on our knees and then we were laying on our faces. And it wasn't like we yeah. were like crying out kind of prayer. We were just like laying down kind of prayer. Does that make sense? Oh, totally. Like, I mean, that's exactly it. 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 Yeah, it just all of a sudden we were all laying down on our faces praying and he was just playing the piano. It just feels like God God enjoys music. <laughs> he likes oh, yeah. being around music. Does that feel true? I mean, I've never written a song in all my days, but it feels <laughs> like, but that's what you do. Do you feel that when you're writing too? I do, yeah. I mean, obviously you don't feel that all the time. Yeah. But there are, I would say many times, probably more than half, where I sit down to write or play or process because a lot of times music is just therapy, you know, you just yeah, want to get stuff yeah. out. At least it is, right. that is, you know, for me, I'll just get in that zone and all of a sudden, man, there's, there's rest, there's peace. Yeah. Something just completely shifts in the room. And I always think to myself, why don't I do this more? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like you have that conscious thought, oh my gosh, this is incredible. Why don't I do this? every day for hours and yeah. hours but the yeah. busyness of life gets in you know and it, it is those sweet moments that refresh and restore that kind of lead us by those still waters you know Hey, friends, just interrupting our conversation with Corey to tell you about some of our partners like Nutrafol. Listen, in a time when self-care is more important than ever, every day is an opportunity to skip damaging styling tools and chemicals and focus more on better hair growth from within. Nutrafol is formulated with potent botanicals to help you grow hair as strong as you are. And it's physician formulated to be 100% drug free. They use natural, clinically effective botanicals for better hair growth through whole body growth. On top of thicker, stronger hair without laser or chemicals, Nutrafol's ingredients may also help you get a handle on better sleep or libido or stress or skin or nails. Visit Nutrafol.com and take their hair wellness quiz for customized product recommendations. I thought it was so fun. I think y'all will too. They put the power to grow thicker, stronger hair back in your hands. And when you subscribe, you'll receive monthly delivery so that you never miss a dose. Shipping is free and you can pause or cancel anytime. So does it work? Yes. Listen, 77% of women saw improvements in just 90 days. That's just three months by the end of summer. So whether you are experiencing thinning hair or not, you deserve hair as strong as you are, sister. Nutrafol can help you achieve your best hair growth naturally. You can grow thicker hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com. And use the promo code SOUNDSFUN to get 20% off. You guys, this is their best offer anywhere. Again, go to Nutrafol, N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com and use the promo code SOUNDSFUN for 20% off. That is awesome. Remember, this is their best offer anywhere. 20% off at Nutrafol.com, N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code SOUNDSFUN for hair as strong as you are. 
Speaking of hair, let's just stay on the topic, shall we? I think I may have told you all this story, but a couple of weeks ago, I ran into a friend at a store and she was buying razors and we had a very long conversation (laughs) about Flamingo and how much I love it. Because y'all know, here's our problems with women's razors. They're overpriced. There are a bazillion options in the store and you never know what works best. And with summer here, and we're going to be out at the pools, we hope, and seeing people wearing shorts, having super smooth legs, even if no one's seeing them, and sliding into cozy sheets and fresh PJs after shaving, it's a favorite feeling. Flamingo is a body care brand that makes an award-winning razor at half the price. Flamingo was started by a group of women at Harry's, as y'all know, the men's shaving brand, who wanted to create a better experience for women, meaning razors that are beautiful and affordable. I absolutely love my Flamingo razors. Y'all know I keep one with me at my house when I'm traveling. I have one with me on the road. I love the design. I love the shave. The whole thing makes me so happy. And I have, knock on wood, I haven't cut myself in a very long time thanks to Flamingo razors. You can try the Flamingo shave set for just $16. It's your entire shave routine, including Flamingo's award-winning razor, shave gel, and body lotion. Plus, they throw in a slip-free shower hook that I love. I'm telling you, shaving feels better when it's not overpriced. And with their 30-day money-back guarantee, you can try Flamingo risk-free. Flamingo is in over a million bathrooms, and it can be in yours, too, for just $16 with free shipping today when you visit shopflamingo.com slash Annie. That's shopflamingo.com slash Annie. And now back to the show. For anyone listening who is just starting a relationship with God or is asking a lot of questions and is new to this, can you, this is a hard question, get ready, bud. Can you kind of (laughs) describe what it feels like when the presence of God shows up like that? Can Because I wonder if people have experienced it, but they didn't know that's what it was. Yeah, totally. Or that's who it was. Sure. I mean, the way I would explain it is most of us, our baseline is like, you know, if, if you're looking at a zero to a hundred scale, our baseline is like 60% stressed. <laughs> yeah. You know, like right? that's just like and where we higher live. probably right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, different events happen or you're stressed about a certain thing that's coming up. Like for me, I'm doing a, I'm doing a live with Steph Curry tonight. And I've oh been thinking God. about it like all last night. I couldn't sleep because I'm like, what's it going to be like? Is it going to be cool? Is that how you and felt I'm about like, talking to me too? Yeah, no, I did. Yeah, a yeah, bit. yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> you're, you know, you're a, you feel like a friend, but with him, it's like, Good. oh my gosh, what am I going to do? That's right. That's right. So it's like those will spike that baseline and all of a sudden, bam, yeah. you're up to 90. Yep. And I think most of us live in that cycle. And the way I would explain it is almost like you get in the presence and the presence can come through a lot of different things. It can come through music. Um, I honestly believe it can come through film. Um, It doesn't have to be a Christian quote unquote film. I've experienced the presence of God many times speaking to me through film. And all of a sudden it's like that 80 or that 70, whatever your baseline is, bam, shoots down to like a a one. And you're like, Oh my gosh, I feel so light. Like I can move. You know, it's it's Atlas with the weight of the world on its shoulders, right? All of a sudden, it falls off, and you're like, oh, my gosh, this is how I'm supposed to live. This yeah. is what it's supposed to be like, you know? But yeah. but most of us, our baseline is, is 60%, 70% stressed. Yeah. It does just that, – that immediate drop to 1% is the moment that it, that if we are thoughtful and we will pause and go like, what is that? How did mm-hmm. that change? And that I just think the more we notice God's, when he moves like that, he's always around us, right? I mean, that's the science yeah. of it is he's everywhere. But mm-hmm. sometimes that presence, that actual Holy Spirit comfort drops you so fast. It's almost like you jumped in a cold pool and you're Seriously. like, wow, this feels so different all of a sudden. What is that? <laughs> oh, that's the, that's the presence of God. I'm supposed to learn something here or yeah. I'm supposed to experience yeah. something here. Yeah, and then hopefully remember how you got there and don't make it formulaic, but learn like, like for me, when I'm in that zone with music and all of a sudden I'm there, Oh, I got to remember how to get back here. You know, like, Oh yeah. Almost like draw the map. Yeah. Like I got to remember and wear this map out to where I know exactly how to get there. I know exactly what it feels like. I know exactly how to hear his voice. 
in that place. So it's, it's kind of being an anointed observer, if you will, like just paying attention to how you got there. An anointed observer. That is, that is good. <laughs> that's when a Mike Bickle phrase. Is it really? Yeah. Ah, that's, it's very good, but I'll give you credit. Everybody, that <laughs> was Corey you. Asbury. Oh, that was yeah. an Thank original Corey Asbury. <laughs> so for the, for 2019, were you, I mean, obviously you have songs coming out now. So were you writing that whole time or were you journaling? Like how were you being an anointed observer in a year where mm-hmm. you couldn't immediately turn that to resources for the rest of us? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't trying to be intentionally resourcing people. You get what I'm saying? Like, right. Right. I wanted, I wanted to make the season fruitful, but I knew it was more of an internal fruitfulness and a relational familial fruitfulness. Yeah. So I didn't go in with an agenda, but you know, the way I would break down the year now that I look at it in hindsight is almost like three parts. Like the first, probably, I don't know, five months, three to five months, Probably really the first three. Okay, wow. I'm just yeah, backtracking yeah. super hard. No, I like it. No, this is great. I mean, how can you also, it's hard to trace an entire year where you didn't I know, work dude. publicly. So you're like, how long was that? That's totally fine. <laughs> yeah. So I, I would say, you know, really intensely three months, but then probably more like five months. Yeah. I wasn't writing a thing. I didn't journal. I didn't write a song. I didn't do anything. I just spent time with my wife and kids, that was it. Because I knew I needed to detox that, you know, that pressure to produce is the way I would explain it. Like we always feel like, oh, if I don't have something to show for myself, then no one's going to believe me or they're going to think I'm a fake Mm -hmm. or blah, 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 whatever that is. So I had to kind of like work through that for probably the first five-ish months. And then all of a sudden in mid-June, it felt like the floodgates opened and I couldn't shut off writing. It was prose, poetry, songs, everything. I couldn't, I couldn't turn it off. It was crazy. You know, like I couldn't sleep. I I would dream and song. Oh (laughs) my gosh. That lasted, it was kind of short, you know, it lasted probably only two weeks, honestly, but it was the most prolific and fruitful writing season of my whole life. And most of this record that's going to release, hopefully coronavirus permitting later this year came from that time. And that's when you were writing the reckless love book too, right? Or had you already finished? Yeah. Yeah. No, that was, uh, that was just like a month after that is when I started. Yeah. I wrote that in like, 45 days or something like yes, that. Yes, because that's the only time I talked to you in 2019 is we had to talk about a book, about the I book. Know, I know, dude. And I remember it was, it was summer. Yeah. I remember thinking, it, oh, hi, Corey. It's summer. And I, I remember where I was. Yeah, so it was that super is, fast. That is And then the last, the last little season was probably wrestling with, did I make the right decision or did I not? Like the mundaneness set in, you know? Wow. And I was like, what the heck have I done with my life? Yeah. You know, like yeah. what, what was I thinking? I was really kind of dealing with that toward the end of the year. And that's when I went back and, and reread the shack. And I took three days in this downtown loft in Kalamazoo that I'm at right now. Yeah. And I left my phone, my computer, everything. No one could get a hold of me. And it was days before Anna was going to have Willow, <laughs> the baby. Oh, my gosh. So I left on uh, December 1st. And got back the third, or sorry, the fourth, and we had the baby on the fifth. <laughs> oh my gosh! So I, I, that, I just told the my math buddy that is real close. Oh, dude! I told my buddy Caleb, I was like, "Hey, dude! Like, if she starts to go into labor, you have to physically come to the loft, which is literally yes. half a mile from the hospital. Yeah, and you have to bang on the door, whether I'm sleeping or not, until I come and answer." <laughs> Like, I can't miss this, you know, and Anna was cool with it, which I couldn't believe. She knew I needed it. She knew I was wrestling. So I came and I read the shack. And at the end of the shack, there's this point at which Mac, the main character, has to make a decision basically to stay in, stay like in this dream state or in this whatever state and basically stay dead, like with God forever or come back to his family. So he could either stay not with his family, but with his one daughter who passed away, or come yeah. back to his family. And he goes, I mean, it was literally verbatim what I was asking God that day and saying to him. And I had, I set the book down because I wasn't getting anything. 
you know, and I, I just gave yeah. up. I was frustrated. I was like, I threw yeah. it down and like my tears were all over the sofa. And I was just like, God, I give up. Like if, if you don't speak anything, I'll trust that this was still from you. And I picked the book back up and I read this phrase that Mac is dealing with. He goes, I don't know. Like he's talking to Papa. He's talking to God in the book. I don't know, Papa. Is anything that I do here on earth worth anything? Hmm. And he goes, all I do is hang out with my family. My job's not that important. I don't really touch many people's lives. All I do is see my wife and a couple of kids. Like, is it that important? Wow. He's wrestling with it. And the Holy Spirit actually responds. And it's her name is Sarah, you in the book. And she goes, yeah. um, if anything matters, then everything matters. And I can't explain to you what that meant to me, but I lost it. <laughs> like I cried for probably 15 minutes, like bloody murder, screaming and wailing. <laughs> really? Yeah. And, and what the Lord was basically saying through that simple phrase was, if anything matters, meaning the tiniest thing, you spending this whole year seemingly insignificantly with your family, you walking into 7-Eleven and smiling at the person, you know, who's, right. who's selling you the gas, you going right. to Walmart and actually speaking to the greeter and loving them. If that matters, yep. then everything, the biggest stage, the biggest song, the largest impact, then that matters. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. It was like yeah. this revelation that even the tiniest thing that nobody sees matters and that's what that year was like no one saw it no one understood it people just questioned blah 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 and god was like it mattered to me and it changed everything yes man there are so many times i i just hear stories of and it's happened a couple of times in my life where god invites me to something this goes back to one of the very first things you said that i wanted you to talk about where god invites me to something that the that people might think is crazy and i just go like <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why I'm turning left instead of turning right. Yeah. I don't know why we did that. I, all I know is I think the Lord is saying that and let's let's walk toward it in case I'm right. In case this is the Lord, <laughs> let's walk toward it because I'd rather I'd rather it matter and it be him mm-hmm. and I'd rather be wrong and at yep. least we tried. <laughs> yep. And not. When you were talking about you and Anna making this decision about taking the year off and we said was it God or was it y'all? Will you talk about what it's like to hear God for you talked about this last time you were on the show with us too a little bit, but what it is what is it like to hear God? How do you know his voice? And how did you and Anna decide such a big thing together? Was she praying separate stuff? Which is there ways that God answered her prayers that you didn't know at the time? Yeah. Oh, for sure. She tends to be the the stronger prayer warrior in our <laughs> in our relationship, um, mm-hmm. and she also tends to be the more prophetic one who really hears from the Lord and oftentimes does kind of direct our family in really special ways. So she was praying that I would hear God's voice, and I was I kept pushing wow. it away, going, "No, this success is God. This is God. This is God. This is God." And finally, I decided to listen to my wife and spend some time basically with her and before the Lord, instead of just kind of like shutting my ears and going, blah, 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 I don't want to hear it. You know, I took time to open my ears and go, okay, mm-hmm. Father, I'm just going to surrender everything. And if you want to speak something, here I am. Yeah. So for me, it's, it's almost always like, especially a big decision. It's, I have to make the time to listen. Yeah. I have to carve out the time to actually intentionally ask. Yeah. How much did she remind you to listen to God and how much was it her just praying? Was there some of both? I'd say it was mostly praying, honestly. And then there was one conversation where she was like, hey, babe, this is really tough on our family. Can we please connect on this and ask God what he thinks? Yeah. And when she said that, I was like, yeah, okay, that that seems reasonable that seems wise like i the least i could do like you said was go in this direction and if i'm wrong cool like we'll we'll keep rocking but at least i gave it a shot is kind of how i felt and i went into that time thinking god might say oh you're supposed to tour together as a family you know get a get a family tour bus blah 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 yeah and what god was actually saying and and the way that i heard it and the way that it almost always happens in kind of a a fork in the road situation in our lives is a, there's one phrase that defines everything. 
And that phrase, the father spoke to my heart so clearly after Gabriel said, you know, I want to stay home with my family and get a dog. God just whispered to my heart. It was, I mean, it was clear as day. And I don't think like this often. So that's usually how I'm like, okay, that's God. Yep. And the, the phrase was so clear. I just heard the father whisper, you wrote the song about reckless love. Could you show that to your family? And I was like, Frick, you got me. <laughs> right. Like, dang right. it. No, why? Why? Right. Why would you do this to me? You know? Right. But it was so obvious that it was him. He was like, he kind of turned the tables and he's like, hey, I did this for you. And I dealt with pain. I dealt with, you know, Isaiah 53, made of no reputation, et cetera, et cetera. Could you lay it all on the line for your family like I did for you? And I was yeah. like, dang it. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, figure out the path, you know, like make it well worn. Right. And I think when you do that, like like you said, if if you've got this long faith woke faith walk, quote unquote faith woke. I am faith yeah, woke. That too. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if if you've got that history, yeah, it becomes clearer. You know, it's it's like any relationship. When I hear your voice, I don't even know you that well, but when I hear your voice, I go, Okay, that's Annie. I know exactly yeah. who that is. Yeah. You know, that's, that's just how it happens. You learn it over time. Yeah, that's right. So, okay, let's talk about family for a couple minutes and then I'll yeah. let you stress about stuff the rest of the day. <laughs> what is it like being a dad of four? Four is a lot. Of, I mean, you have a lot of Dude. women in that house now. Dude, it is <laughs> flipping nuts. Absolutely they all have the nuts. same nose. You made four babies with the same nose. It's so I know. cute. It's Anna. It's got that little turn up right at the end. It's so cute. And the little ring. So, are, I mean, are y'all just getting dominated? Yeah, it's wild. Like, yeah. <laughs> I think I think the biggest jumps for us were zero to one. So, no yeah. kids to one kid was like, holy smokes! Like, what have we yeah. done? Yeah. And now, you know, one to two, whatever. Two to three, kind of still whatever. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, three to four. I don't know what happened, but it's like. Oh snap! Like this is <laughs> really? this is real, and I think a lot of it is River, who's almost three, is so young. Like she's still so little. She talks really well, um, but she throws a lot of fits. Yeah, like, we thought we thought we named her River because she was going to be calm and peaceful and beautiful, but we no. forgot about the strength of a river, you know, and yes. the fact that it never stops and it just keeps yep. flowing. Yeah. That's River, man. She is intense and impetuous and just relentless. And I think that part of the equation, having a little tiny baby plus River is like really gnarly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I believe it. I believe it. Because a three-year-old's no joke on their own. Dude. Yeah. yeah. And now a tiny. Are y'all sleeping? Are y'all to where? I mean, I guess at this point. The littlest is three, four months old. Um, yeah, about four months. So, are y'all getting a normal night of sleep yet? Uh, not really. I mean, last night I tried to fall asleep around ten, but I was stressing about stuff. Yeah. So I didn't actually fall asleep, and then Willow woke up at almost midnight. So I got in, I grabbed her, I brought her to Anna. Anna feeds her, I put her back, and then I lay down. I fell asleep. Um, you know, probably twelve thirty ish. Yeah. And then uh, Willow woke up again at almost five. So I, okay. I guess you could say I got a solid almost five hours and Anna yeah. got a solid almost five hours. But, you know, it's yeah. it's tough to come by. <laughs> yeah. 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 That, and I'm assuming all your kids are home from school full time right now, too. Oh, yeah. Which I have yeah. genuinely loved. Like that has been yeah. an amazing part of the equation. But, yeah, four is that's a whole new ball game, man. Yeah, no joke. And so we should expect a new album later this year. Is that the hopes? Yeah. I mean, right now we're looking at July 10. Okay. But great. Again, who knows? Like I'm I'm literally supposed actually I'm supposed to be in Nashville right now. I know. Um, we were supposed to do this in person. Oh, were we? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, I'm supposed to be there right now working with Paul Mayberry. Um yeah. you know, getting some final tracking done. But yeah. As is the world right now, things are a little um, different. So, yeah. What is it like? This will be my last 
serious question. What is it like to have to be so open-handed with something that you've created? Yeah. It feels like that's what we're all having to do. I know. Honestly, this record, it feels like the whole process has been fluid, uh, kind of in a, in a bad way. (laughs) Yeah. Like, right. We've been working on it since beginning of this year. And there's just been a lot of things that have gotten in the way. And honestly, I've, I've kind of questioned like, is this the right timing? Like what's happening? Is this one of those things where you just press through and you go, this is God, or you go, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to like give in to the fact that things keep happening and be like, maybe we should pull back. So I've been sort of honestly wrestling with that and and trying to figure it out while staying hopeful, staying uh, happy, staying joyful, not letting it discourage me or freak me out. But it's definitely been, it's been a little wrestle for sure. Yeah. The Lord is letting us all practice. Um, believe in the things we've always said about him, <laughs> yeah. that he can be trusted in the unknown, that he is unshakable. So, okay. Is there anything we didn't talk about that you want us to talk about? No, I feel happy. Okay. Okay. Great. Me too. The last yeah. question we always ask, you know, this because the show is called that sounds fun. Tell yeah. me what y'all are doing right now for fun. <laughs> oh my Lord. Um, a lot of things stir crazy, but I mean, right. The main one right now uh, is TikTok, dude. <laughs> oh, do you love TikTok? I I'm growing to love it. I kind of y'all's videos really are hate good. It. I'm yeah. Like, I'm the guy who just resists and resists and resists. Like I was the last to have Instagram, you know, like that yep. that kind of stuff. I really hate trends. They they super bother yeah. me. So I'm always afraid that things are going to be ephemeral and they're just going to float away, you know? So with yeah. TikTok, honestly, the only reason I got it is because my kids love it. They think it's the most fun thing in the entire world. Doing all those stupid dances and, you know, like yeah. choreography and all this stuff. And I'm, I'm not exaggerating, like to be funny. Yeah. I am one of the worst dancers uh, on the face of the planet. Like, I actually now that's really, not because your videos have been very good, Corey. Okay, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. I've I've really good rhythm because I'm a uh-huh. musician, but to make my body do what I see other people do, <laughs> it, it like I tried to explain it to Anna the other night. It doesn't compute. Yeah. So, okay. Listen, like think of it this way: with music, and and I don't know you. I'm sure you have something that's just like this as well. With music, yeah. if you play a line or if you sing something, I will remember it like that. And I'll sing it right back to you. No problem. Yeah. It like, yeah. It, it's almost like it just makes perfect sense in my head. When I look at a choreog or, or choreographed dance, yeah. it is so confusing. I look at it and I can't understand what they're doing. Yeah. And then when I try to reproduce it with my body, it's like, it's even more difficult than just trying to, <laughs> to understand what they did. So it's right. like, it's hilarious because it, it really, pushes me uh in in a really stupid way yeah but my kids like they just die laughing watching me do stupid stuff and then river tries to do it too and she's probably got the same disease as me (laughs) (laughs) i mean gabriel is good though actually gabriel's kind of fire like he he understands it like it's almost like he grew up with that he's watched like justin bieber and different artists kind of have choreographed dances to their music yeah. So it, it computes to him. And Lily too, even though she's a little less coordinated. Um, yeah. But it, it just, it's hilarious. We've been having tons of fun with that. Okay. Well, I just need you to keep putting them on Instagram because I cannot bring myself to download TikTok. Uh, I'm just scared yeah. I'll throw away my time. When when my, I, I'm afraid of how much I'm going to love it. Not that I'm not going to love it. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> oh, so I just can't. I can't even give myself the permission to even start. So I just need you to keep importing them over to Instagram for me. Yeah, yeah. Can do. I got a bunch ready to go right now. I just haven't found time to post them. So okay, Great. Super. I'll be there. <laughs> um, well, thanks for doing this today, bud. I really Dude, appreciate absolutely. it. Absolutely. That was fun. Friends, don't you love Corey Asbury? I'm telling you, gosh, he's just like, 
He's one of us. He's one of our dudes. I know it. I just think so highly of that guy. Make sure you grab a copy of Reckless Love, the book, as well as check out his new music, particularly Father's House in Egypt, the two songs that I cannot quit during this quarantine time. Give him a follow on social media. Tell him thanks so much for being on the show again and how much you enjoyed it. Hey, if you need anything else from me, you know I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, my house, all the places you may need me. That is how you can find me. And I think that's it for me today, friends. Stay home and do something that sounds fun to you. And I'll do the same. And we'll see you back here on Monday. Y'all have a great weekend.